0: Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, he will send a de- delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear.
1: John, thank you so much. Um, Nice easy passage for us uh, to look at in the last week. Uh, There's a lot in there, isn't it? Giving up everything to follow Jesus. Um, There's a lot in there uh, for us to to look at, but I'm going to start by praying before we look at Luke chapter 14. Father, your, your words are words of life, uh, and I pray that as we look at these words here, even though they, they seem uh, confusing perhaps, hard for us to understand, even harder to live by, I pray that your spirit might be at work, Lord, as we open the Bible and look at Jesus' words, so that we might be disciples who truly follow you, even when that's costly, even when that's hard. I pray that we would be people who has ears to hear, and that we would hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. David Platt, uh, American uh, pastor and author, and he tells a story about when he studied at uh, Bible College in the US. Uh, He he traveled halfway across the states, particularly to study with this one lecturer, one professor, who was kind of esteemed, very sort of sought after. And so he went to study with him, and, and in the first week he met this professor and the pref- professor said, look, I'm giving a talk tonight in an event. Why don't you come with me? And you can sit at the back, uh, listen to what I'm saying. We can chat about it afterwards. It might be a good experience. And it was a-, a talk at a big event on the cost of being a disciple. And this is how the lecturer, the professor, started his talk. He said, tonight, my goal is to talk you out of following Jesus. Okay. Uh, David Platt thought, I've traveled halfway across the States to study with this guy. What was he saying? This is crazy. Uh, have I made a huge mistake? And well, the, the guy went on and, and gave a sermon from Luke 14, I think it was, warning those who were listening, who were interested about what Christianity following Jesus really means. Warn them about how hard it is. At the end of the evening, this lecturer said, look, if anyone wants to become a Christian tonight, come forward to the front at the end and I can chat to you. And much to David Platt's surprise, quite a lot of people came forward and became Christians, started following Jesus that very night. And so David Platt thought, okay, that's how you do it. uh, As a young guy, And, and the next week, he was invited to speak at a big youth event. And he thought, I know what I'm going to speak on. I know how to start my sermon. And so he said, tonight my goal is to talk you out of following Jesus. And the youth leaders went, you know, who's, who's this guy who invited him as they looked around? And it went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> and the, the leader of the evening came up at the end and said, okay, we're, we're calling it an evening, everyone go home. And he was never invited to speak at that particular event again. Well, it's the last, as Jeremy said, in a series where we're looking at important Bible words. repentance, we've thought about faith last week. And we're going to be thinking about discipleship. This afternoon, if you've missed those last two sermons and you're coming in sort of today, maybe for the first time, uh, and it might feel quite full on, I'd recommend having a listen to those other two talks, either on the church website or on the podcast as well. But we're thinking about discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? If you're a Christian here, you are a disciple. You can't be a Christian without being a disciple. They're the same thing. And it's crucial, just as we open up here, to, to hold two things in tension. This is really important. So what does it cost to be a Christian? On the one hand, nothing. I hope you do know that about Christianity. Simply you repent and believe in Jesus, those two words we've looked at, and you're saved. You don't contribute anything. It's free. It's a gift. It costs Nothing. Of course, that makes Christianity completely different than all other worldviews and all other religions that is about doing things to get right with God. But with Christianity, no it's a gift, it's a free gift. What does it cost to be a Christian? Well, nothing. Yet at the same time, Jesus here in Luke 14 answers the question, well, what does it cost to be a disciple or a Christian? Everything. You've got to hold those two things in tension. it's free, nothing, Oh, but it will cost you everything to follow him. See Christianity isn't some crutch for sort of poor old ladies who have got nothing better to do with their lives, and it's quite nice being a Christian isn't it? It's not an escape from the grit and reality of life. If you think Christianity is an easy ride, it's not for you. But if you become convinced of the truth about Jesus, there is no greater adventure than being His disciple. It's completely free. Oh, but it will cost you. It will cost you everything. But it's completely worth it. And we're going to look at that uh, in our passage today. Three things then uh, that we're going to look at. I was joking with Kirsten as she did the service sheets the other day that. As It is a three point sermon, but on the service sheet, it's basically a six point sermon. But it's the last one, so I thought I could just about get away with that. Um, But the first thing we're going to see is the call to sacrificial allegiance. Call to sacrificial allegiance. Uh, Do you remember then, a couple of weeks ago, Zacchaeus was up a tree that there were huge crowds following Jesus, meaning that Zacchaeus had to climb a tree because he couldn't see? over the crowd. Last week, the the woman who had been bleeding, do you remember, for 12 years, fighting through huge crowds. And look at verse 25, page 1048, if you missed it. On On that page, verse 25, there was a large crowd following. But Jesus doesn't just want numbers. He wants disciples who are prepared to follow him. I don't think it's unreasonable to think that there might have been thousands. Uh, perhaps of of people in the crowd, we know that from elsewhere uh, in Luke's Gospel. And so he takes this opportunity to school them in the cost of discipleship, and it's a message of sacrificial allegiance, Do you see that just in verse 26, it's pretty stark isn't it, that kind of allegiance? If anyone comes to me, does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers, sisters, Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm prepared to um, to bet good money that you know those sort of pretty cheesy Christian calendars. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. It's got a sort of Bible verse for the for July or for, pretty prepared to, to bet money that this verse has never made it onto one of those calendars. You imagine that July? Hate your mother and father. You know what's going on. To be honest, it seems frankly quite unChristian what Jesus is saying? What can he possibly mean uh, in these words? Well, listen, Christianity is not a cult. You know, it's not that someone becomes a Christian and and gets rid of their spouse or deletes their their parents' kind of contact details once they go. No, no. (laughs) No, we're not literally to hate our family members, Jesus or Uh, The Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, what does God say? Honour your parents, honour your mother and father. Love your neighbour. It's not literally to hate them. Rather, Jesus is using a dramatic figure of speech to, to highlight the comparison between our love for him and our love for anyone or anything else. The point is this, look, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ comes above anyone or anything else but to love jesus supremely nothing else comes first and and in that sense we we hate anything or or anyone else think of the apostle paul do you remember when he said uh, that he considered all things rubbish compared to knowing jesus it's an issue of primary allegiance for for the disciple jesus comes first for many in the crowd there with Jesus in the first century, uh, there would have been a great cost in terms of family relationships to follow Christ. Just heard Dawn's prayers didn't we? for Christians in Afghanistan, perhaps if they're coming from a Muslim family and becoming a Christian. That cost is great. I know there's some here at uh, Trinity who maybe you became a Christian at um, university perhaps or something like that. and maybe your f- friends and family, uh, at first it, it started by mocking you a little bit, saying, so, oh, it's a bit quaint, it's a bit sweet, isn't it? You know, you and Jesus. And then after a while they realised you you're serious and actually, well, they didn't like it. I know for someone here, uh, their mum said to them, the day you became a Christian was the day that we lost you as our daughter. It's quite full on. See, Christians, in terms of family dynamics, Christians should be the best and devoted sons and daughters and and family members. We should show kindness and generosity and love to family. That's really, really important. But for the disciple, their primary allegiance is, is now to Jesus. Especially when there's a clash, maybe with family. Well, that's been the case sometimes, is not it, where uh, maybe your parents uh, deliberately put on the big family event on a Sunday afternoon at, let's say, 4.30, <laughs> just as church starts. And they know that you want to be there, but yet they deliberately put it there, and, and there's a clash. Or maybe for an Asian family, uh, perhaps with, uh, with ancestor worship that would be quite common, perhaps, in families, maybe there's a clash there. It's not compatible with, with your Christian faith. There's allegiance here, and it's sacrificial allegiance. You see that in verse 27. Have a look there. Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You kind of um, hear people, don't you, every now and then talking about, oh, my cross to bear, or that's your cross to bear, you know, someone who had to commute in on the Bakerloo line on Tuesday on the hottest day ever, you know, there's, oh, well, it's my cross to bear going into work, or, you know. The in-laws, well, that's your cross to bear. <laughs> of course, it's much, much more than that. The cross is a symbol, isn't it, of dying, rejection, torture. Carrying a cross is not a, a, a hot tube journey, on a sticky tube journey on the, on the Bakerloo line. It's a call to die to self. Costly sacrifice, being, being willing to follow in the same path that Jesus Christ took. To suffer shame and allegiance for him. Hostility, rejection perhaps. Not all the time, every moment of every day, but sometimes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German uh, theologian and uh, in the last century. And he, he put it like this. He said, when Christ calls a person, he bids them to come and die. That's what Bonhoeffer put it. It's pretty blunt, isn't it? Christ calls someone, he bids them to come and die that was literally the case for bonhoeffer he he stood up to hitler at the time of world war ii Uh, because of his christian faith he opposed hitler very publicly and it cost him his life as he was sent to the concentration camp there's nothing theoretical or casual about this call to costly sacrifice on average every day 13 christians are killed for their faith in the world. Twelve churches every day in the world are attacked. Twelve Christians are unjustly arrested or put in prison on average every day. Look, like it might be a little easier in the UK at the moment. But are we willing to hear Jesus' call in these verses to sacrificial allegiance? I might have told this. Story before, but again, it's you know I can get away with quite a lot. I feel hopefully <laughs> on my last sermon. Um, my my dad um, when he was baptised, baptised around the age of forty, and uh, he had a little moment just before he was um, baptised where he shared a bit of his story, a bit of his testimony, and at one point during that, he he said, look, look for me since becoming a Christian, um, that Jesus comes first, you know, above my career, my job, my uh, even above you know my relationship with. Sue, that's weird saying my mum's name, uh, you know, with, with my wife. Jesus comes first. And, and there was someone there that they invited, a lady called Julia, who was there. And she sort of turned to my mum at that point and said, sorry, are you okay with him just saying that from the front? And she said, yeah, I am. And, and they had a conversation about what it means to be a Christian. And, and Julia actually became a Christian a few days, a few years, sorry, later. I wonder if we'd be able to say the same today. Jesus comes first. Well, it stands in the face doesn't it of of christmas and easter sort of moderate middle class respectable christianity jesus doesn't fit in neatly next to the work social on friday and tennis on saturday and jesus on sunday no he demands that we put him before everything even spouse kids potential relationships if i may just put a a finger on a particular challenge i think for us here at trinity this kind of area that we live in in london that jesus comes above career he comes first above that it's good to be ambitious brilliant Uh, it's great to have christians in in positions of uh, of kind of uh, uh, leadership in their particular firms and and places of work that's great that's a really really good thing don't mishear me but actually, ambition and climbing the ladder must firmly be in, in their place compared to following Christ as number one. That might mean that you say no to a promotion, if that means that we'll never really be able to be involved in church in any way. A friend of mine, Hugh, uh, was a lawyer, uh, he is, sorry, he is a lawyer, and um, He was flat out hours, just kind of crazy, crazy job. And he he said to his boss quite early on, he said, look, um, I'm prepared to work really hard. I'll be really loyal here. But Tuesday nights, I want to meet with others at my church. There's a kind of Bible study we go to there. Um, I need to leave the the desk at 7 o'clock to get there. Um, That's really important to me. And so got to 7 o'clock on Tuesdays, and he he took his coat off the back of his chair, headed out where all his colleagues kind of glued to the desk, you know, uh, just kind of, what do the lawyers do? Sort of small print contracts and those kind of things. And, um, and he did that every week. He worked really hard. He was a very loyal employee there. It wasn't part-time kind of joker or whatever. But he needed them to know that Jesus comes first, even if that's costly. There's a call to sacrificial allegiance. Moving on, the second thing we see in this passage is a call to considered surrender. And with such a great challenge that, I mean, it's seriously challenging, isn't it, what Jesus is saying here? And because of that, he tells too many stories, many parables that show the need for careful consideration uh, to count the cost of being a disciple. Just just look at verse 28. Can you see the phrase in the middle there? uh, That we need to first sit down. Uh, Verse 31 as well in the second parable, won't he first sit down? Charlotte and I, I'm sure others are like this as well, you, you kind of, one of you just at the wrong moment asks a really big decision kind of making question or something, to, and it's kids everywhere and it's all crazy, and, and you just say to the other, you say, look, can, sorry, can, can we wait till the kids are in bed? Can we just wait and sit down properly to talk about this? It's far too important just to, to decide what takeaway we want. No, 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 it's much more important things than that. But you know, you need to sit down, take it seriously and consider things. And that's the point here about following Jesus. So the, the first parable is this. Don't act rashly following Jesus because you could end up like the building project that started and never finished. Look at verse 28. You see that first story? Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Why don't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone will seize it and will ridicule you, saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. I'm sure you can come up with examples of, of multiple kind of building projects, maybe near your workplace that started really well and then didn't go the, the distance. Um, I wonder just on the slides, actually, just have the next, um, just the next slide. Just stop, stop there until, until I say go, Mark. Um, so I don't know if you guys have come off, uh, across the National Monument of Scotland, Okay, It was supposed to be influenced by this building, the Parthenon, I think it's in Athens. And uh, it was supposed to be a, a monument to, well, to recognize those who have died at war for Scotland and to inspire the next generation to heroism. And so, great plans for this national monument of Scotland, and they ran run out of money and this is what it looked like. That's it, okay? It's not great, is it? I mean, good solid start, but after two years. Um, it ran out of money. We can go go on to the next slide now. It was called Scotland's Folly, Edinburgh's Disgrace. And Jesus' point is that don't start well as a disciple and fail to go the distance. Don't act rashly following without a reasoned assessment of whether this is right. It reminds me a bit of a, a marriage service, I'm sure... Maybe some of us have been to marriages this uh, this summer, or going to them, where the, the minister says, "No one should enter into it lightly." It's quite a sobering line, isn't it? You know, you don't get married after three and a half dates. <laughs> you you weigh up: is this is this right? It's costly uh, in different ways, isn't it? So it is with following Jesus. Well, the second parable uh, that Jesus mentions adds another dimension. Look at verse thirty-one. Again, did you see this careful consideration, isn't there? You know, the senior military troops around the table, uh, planning it, kind of drawing out plans, considering their options. And then wisdom, verse 32, looks like examining, reflecting, and then surrendering. Uh, Sort of holding out the white flag as you survey the options here. Uh, There's there's a bit of a debate about who is who uh, in this little parable, but I'm pretty persuaded that the greater king here is Jesus, Jesus the Messiah King, a powerful, mighty, and in response to that, he calls us to surrender our lives. Because Jesus, when we come to him, he he is a savior. We bring nothing to him, it's free. But also he is Lord as well as savior. He has authority over our lives. It costs us everything as we follow him. And true wisdom considers the cost and surrenders. I know this language is quite sort of okay. that's quite uh, maybe not language we're familiar with, Uh, and it's very different, of course, than, you know, in Ukraine at the moment. For example, if uh, Ukrainian troops are outnumbered and they surrender, hold the white flag, perhaps to Russian troops there, they've got no idea what is going to happen to them next, I imagine. It's very, very different with Jesus Christ. See, when we surrender to him, we're told we gain life. We gain freedom, peace with God, security. We are on the winning side. And again, with dramatic figure of speech in verse 33, we're told that surrendering him means giving up everything to follow him. Sure, that would be the case for some. Financially, if you think of the story of the rich young ruler, if you know that, asked to give up his possessions, do you remember, and he, he couldn't. But actually for all of us, we're to be attached primarily to Jesus, not possessions, not stuff. I found um, the, the, the minister, he died a few years ago, John, John Stott, very helpful on this verse. He said, look, Christian disciples, they're neither to go the way of asceticism. A- asceticism means sort of rejecting uh, God's good gifts and the good things he's given. We're not to go the way of asceticism. We're not also to go the way of materialism. That is sort of greed and grabbing stuff. Rather, the Christian disciple is, well, to be marked by simplicity. Their life to be marked with generosity, contentment. You see what Stott's saying? Look, don't, Don't reject God's good things. Don't grab and be greedy in life, but But no the christian disciple is to live a life of simplicity generosity contentment so it might be that we hear that and we think well yeah maybe there's things i need to give up maybe as we think about our own lives or maybe areas of discipleship where yeah we're calling jesus savior but oh he's certainly not lord in our lives in that certain area and if the holy spirit is putting that on your heart today as you hear that and going yeah that's me <laughs> don't ignore that have we counted the cost third thing then that we see the third thing is this the call to salty perseverance sounds a bit random let me explain if that's what i mean by that the call to salty perseverance one more sort of mini parable uh, he tells that is a warning to those who are already disciples and it's a warning we need to hear look at verse 34 see what he says salt is good But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's neither fit, uh, sorry, uh, fit neither for the soil nor the manure heap. It's thrown out. Salt is, um, it's one of those everyday things, isn't it? But it's incredibly useful. Uh, Salt on your, I mean, fish and chips without salt. I mean, it's not worth it really, is it? You know, there's the seasoning in dishes. And in the first century, it was used as a preservative without fridges and freezers and also for fertilizer and while it was salty it was a great value apparently I uh, found this out this week apparently bakers in the in the early uh, sorry in the in the ancient world they covered the floor of their ovens with salt uh, to act as a kind of catalytic effect on burning fuel to to help things cook it's clever um, but over time that salt it, it lost its saltiness became useless and then you know just get rid of it it's gone And in the context of discipleship, I guess this is someone who starts well as a disciple, someone who is salty or useful for God's kingdom, but who gives up when the going gets tough, who's failed to count the cost of discipleship. And the point is this, that keep persevering, hanging on to Jesus, being useful for him in his kingdom. Stay salty. I, I had some friends um, recently who did who did this, the Tough Mudder. I don't know if you um, see not That's my friend Ben. That's a good photo, isn't it? I don't know if that made it to the official website. Has anyone here done Tough Mudder? Yes, Katie Denny, the only one there. Fantastic. Um, Tough Mudder, well, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of a, a brutal assault course, okay? And it's got uh, an ice bath that you need to swim through and a mile of mud on some of the courses. And this picture here, I think this... Those little orange things, they're uh, 10,000 volts. Katie can tell you all about it after. 10,000 volts of electricity uh, just as you're swimming through the water. Because, you know, who doesn't want to, you know, who doesn't want that? And it sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it? And I can imagine, for Katie or for others, doing the Tough Mudder, you'd be tempted, wouldn't you, to stop? I certainly would. Tap out halfway through. Eat a donut by the sidelines, probably, more likely. And listen, I'm aware that maybe as you hear this stuff this afternoon, it sounds kind of the spiritual equivalent, doesn't it, of a tough mudder. You hear these things. Jesus is called to sacrificial allegiance, to considered surrender, to salty perseverance. And you think, yeah, there's, there's a couple of a bit like the Tough mother, there's a couple of nutters who kind of get a kick out of this kind of thing no offence Katie (laughs) there's a couple of people like that and maybe it's the same with being a Christian but but this is just too hard Jesus just how can he demand something like this why would I take this path it's ridiculous to choose this kind of walk in life this path maybe like in the crowd you're you're someone there listening if you like to Jesus and you think I'm at the crossroads but this just seems too much or yeah I'm on the road I'm following him but I just want to tempt, I just want to tap out this this just feels too much too hard or maybe you're worried that, yeah, I, I was going for, for a Christian. I was salty in this way, maybe as a student or in my 20s. But now I've, my job's demanding and, and the family's crazy, perhaps. And, and it's just so hard to be a Christian at the moment in this kind of current landscape. And i feeling like I can, I'm sort of running out of steam. Well, three motivations on why, although it costs everything, it's completely and utterly worth it very very briefly just three things and then we'll be done first of all the greater cost oh jesus has been honest hasn't he i like it with jesus you don't you don't get you know it's it's not confusing he just says it doesn't he yeah and he's shown that that following him costs everything but just as true is that not following jesus costs far far more to jesus is the most loving man who has ever lived Yet he warns, doesn't he, that, that those who have never repented, do you remember that word we used two weeks ago? Those who have never trusted in him or surrendered to him as king. He's honest in, in other words in Luke's gospel that, that those people do face a ton of, eternal punishment, eternal separation from him. The Bible is clear that every one day will surrender to him as king. We either bow the knee now or on that day when it's too late some of us will need to hear that this afternoon there's a greater cost the second little thing is that there is a banquet see jesus is clear that following him it, it costs everything but there is a future banquet to enjoy they Again, some of you might be wedding or planning weddings. I know even some here uh, this summer, and um, I love I love the food at a wedding reception, the feast and a, a banquet. There, I love it that you sort of eat quite a lot of food and then you're, you're absolutely stuffed and you've worked it off with a little bit of dancing and then just as you're ready to go home someone bring you, someone sort of magically brings out bacon rolls quite often at a wedding at about midnight and you think I don't need this but why not I mean brilliant everyone loves a kind of a bacon roll or, I mean not if you're vegetarian um, but everyone loves a banquet and a feast don't they uh in this kind of setting and and it's striking that just before this passage Jesus has told us what heaven will be like just before he gets to this demands here he's told us that heaven will be not a yawn fest but will be like a banquet with him the stacks of of kind of benefits of being a christian now peace with god shame dealt with a family of christians in the church the, the blessing of the holy spirit to help you change but the Bible puts far greater emphasis on weight, on all the blessings that are to come in the future. And we need to know that, don't we? See, when the, when the cost feels just far too great, we, we need to know that we are more than compensated in the life to come. The feast, the, the joy of being in this banquet with Jesus himself, the great King. The greater cost, the banquet finally, the cross. Jesus is clear, following him, it will cost everything. But we only do that in response to a crucified king who loves you and who has died for you. See, in using the language of the cross, that's not random that Jesus is using it. It's supposed to design to, to point us to the cross that he first carried and that he first died on. See, Jesus Christ willingly gave up everything out of love for you. And when we consider the cross and all that he has done for you, well, it leads us to say, look, how could I not respond to him out of love by by giving everything for such a wonderful and great king? And actually, I think we find that the more we dwell on the cross, the more we, we survey the cross, as we hear in the song in a few moments, that that often the more we do that, the lighter the cost of following him feels. doesn't mean that's not hardships, difficult times, but, but as we get that perspective right, it, it sort of eases the load, you could say slightly. I imagine the crowd, as Jesus finished these things off, I imagine the crowd got, got smaller as some people turned away uh, at that moment from following him. I imagine others they did follow and carried on the way. What about you what about us as we said this is my this is our last sunday at <laughs> trinity and uh, i was going to cry <laughs> and it's been a joy it's been a joy to serve um here and i think our prayer my prayer is that in in 5 10 20 50 years time if we were to come back would be that we would be carrying on this walk following um, this cost of of discipleship, putting Jesus first, uh, one day getting ready for that banquet to enjoy. Let me do some prayer. He or she who has ears, let them hear these words. Lord, it's been um, quite full on hearing these words this afternoon. Uh, if it was us, we would probably uh, water things down quite a bit or make things a bit smoother around the edges. Um, but that wouldn't be uh, the right thing to do because Jesus' words are life giving. He is the way, the truth, the life. So, Father, I pray that we would heed these words, live by them, and knowing that cost, following Him costs nothing. <laughs> Lord, it's free and it's wonderful. Uh, but that that cost is of everything as well. Help us to be people who live in this way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.